I'm Roy Shartles and welcome to the Unknown Origins podcast. Why are you listening to this podcast? Are you an industry expert looking for insights? Are you growing your career? Or are you a dear friend helping to spur your old pal on? I created the Unknown Origins podcast to have the most inspiring conversations with creative industry personalities and experts about entrepreneurship, pop culture, art, music, film, and fashion. And so the ancient proverb goes, tell me a fact and I'll learn. Tell me a truth and I'll believe. But tell me a story and it will live in my heart forever. Storytelling is about making meaningful connections and helping people make sense of themselves and the world they live in by observing the world around you and turning what you see into entertainment and insights that spread. Combined with a knack for envisioning the creative vision for brands and products by producing art, designs and productions through products, advertising, digital publications and print. David Lama is on a lifelong quest to bring purposeful stories to life that engage and make a difference by connecting people through branded content and documentary filmmaking that is human-led and has a social purpose. David provides perspective on his creative process as the head of creative and founder of L Animal, with over 20 years of working with some of the most influential brands in Latin America and the United States of America. Enter David Lama. Hello, you handsome devil. Well, good to talk to you, my friend. How have you been through all of this madness? Quite a ride. Uh, as you know, I'm, I'm originally from Mexico City, and when when the pandemic got to us, I had friends that were still going to to like big events in Mexico, so I was a little worried about them. And then I also have some really good friends in Barcelona. So I I knew what was happening in in, in Europe already, where the pandemic was already raging, and it had just gotten to Seattle. And it just kind of gave me this idea that that this was going to be, for the first time in in the history of, of, you know, in our lifetime, we were all going to be going through the same thing, uh, through the same experience, like, I mean, there's been other pandemics, but the world was not as connected, and now we are. So, I decided to to reach into the you know being being in in our forties gives us the advantage of uh, of having lived a, a a life that that has friends around the world. So I started reaching out to friends and then friends of friends to talk to them and ask them how they are uh, experiencing this this weird moment in time because i think it is it is a moment that that we should use to to understand what what was not working and try to make the world a better place right but i think this is one of my utopic uh ways of thinking that i think that every day you should try to be better than the day before so i think that a, a pandemic should make us try to be better than the day before as as humans um so i just came up with this documentary series now and i've talked to about 110 people in 28 countries wow uh and uh, and you know what we are a lot more alike than 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 the forces that that want to divide us tell us we are 
we are all experiencing the same and everybody's just, you know, trying to, to do their best. Um, uh, one, one comment that I've heard a lot is that, that we need more empathy and another one that, that just, they, they come in different phrases, but, uh, while we are riding the same, uh, sea, which is right now, it has a lot of big surf. Uh, some people are in, in yachts and some people are in a piece of wood and, and we should make it a more even playing field. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I've been focusing my creativity into doing something because what I normally do to make a living is not available. So <laughs> we had to come up with some creative ways to spend time and not go crazy. What inspired and attracted you to becoming a creative d- director in the first place? What, 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 draw me to, to, to work on the creative field first was the need to, uh, to tell stories. I wanted to work uh, uh, as a filmmaker. I wanted to, uh, when I started out, I, I, I wanted to be a, a director of photography, but back then we were shooting with film and it was really expensive. So I, I, I picked up uh, editing because that's what I, you know, I, I knew about computers and I was like, all right, I can do this. And then I'll, I'll keep moving around. And then um, while I was working as a post producer, which was my first job in the industry, uh, I, I created a really good connection with a director. And, uh, and he gave me the chance to be a second assistant director, which is the person that kind of tells the actors what is coming up in the next scene, right? So you're basically like just propping them up so that then they can go to the director and do the, you kind of tell them what the director is going to tell them. And it, it felt, you know, you had this little moment of, of, of being part of the creative process. And that, that really tickled my senses. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I would like to like keep moving on this and direct my own. And at that time I was, I was working in the TV commercial business. So I was like, I'd like to direct narrative. Uh, and then honestly, like the, the change that has happened in the storytelling world, because back then this was in, in early 2000s when the budgets for commercials were in the millions of dollars, even if you were doing like a, uh, sugar that sweetened the water, right? And then they would have these crazy budgets that would give us a lot to all of us that wanted to do film would, would be a really good training ground. Um, so so that's what, what draw me in. And then as everything has changed, it's been more about like, and since I worked in editing, it was like how to finish a whole project and take it from step one of the creative process right when you're like oh this is a good idea or what does the client need and let's put it all together so we can take it into that direction um it it gave me that chance of saying like oh i could do this and then i honestly think that that growing up in a city with 24 million people when i was a kid gave me the understanding of, of 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 social interaction as a as a way of surviving, uh, because in, in Mexico City, if you don't know how to treat people, you are not gonna, you know, you're not gonna be safe to start with. So, so that gave me the, the this thing about talking to people and trying to 
to explain what you want to say, even though I might be uh, talking too much right now, trying to answer your question. <laughs> um, but but yeah, that's what what kind of like draw me in into like 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 being able to tell a story, being able to to help people tell their stories too, right? Because yeah. that's our our job. It's not only like tell the story that you want; it's help the people that are in need of telling a story get the better story out. So that that was part of the 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 very attractive feel uh, of, of, of walking into this world, along with being terrible at uh, every, like, you know, I never saw myself as any other thing that was not involved in something creative. Yeah. You, it, now that you can share that story, I can totally kind of see the attraction and why you've capitalized upon your strengths and passions as being a, a really great um, relationship builder like I mean you develop relationships incredibly fast and you know your, your transparency your honesty and th that establishes trust really kind of quickly and then combining that with your natural creative flair I can absolutely understand why you gravitated towards this the creative space and becoming a creative d director what does being a creative director mean to you uh, I think that, that that what it really means it's uh, it's understanding what the story needs, and then working with a whole team of people, and harnessing their strengths and letting them go and letting them play, and kind of like then finding the the better things that come back, right? Because I I, I think one of the the the, the the treats and the and the main things that a creative director should have is an open mind to see what is better than what he thought and the things that are not there help people get them to a better place you know it's it's never nothing is ever going to be exactly how you thought about it because all of our minds and our creative brains work in a different way right um so when you're working with like a graphic designer and, and you have an idea that, that you've gotten to or, or you've shared an idea and with the client and, and you have an idea and then you convert it, right? And you pass it on to the, the graphic designer and then he comes back with something that blows your mind. You have to be open to be like, oh, this is way better than I thought. And then integrating it into the process and then being open to to finding what's better for the story. So I think that that being a creative director is a little bit of like uh, being an open mind. And then sometimes when things are not quite at the where you want them or, or what it gives the story, then you have to like, like try to finesse and, and, and not so much like, like drive people to the place they need to go, but figure out what, how to push their buttons to get there, right? Like, like yeah. uh, sometimes it, it, you know, sometimes it might be like a, a font is not there or, or, or the motion is not right. With, with motion graphics designers, it, it happens to me a lot that I end up talking to them with, with sounds, 
because I'm like, oh, that that one, I need it to be a little faster, more like a whoosh than a rush, right? And and people at, at, at first look at you like like you're insane, but it's it's a little bit of like putting the 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 meal together. I think yeah. that's what a creative director has to do. It's like you let everybody kind of like take over, and somebody's like, you cut, you chop the garlic, and somebody else like get on the onion and somebody else do the tomato and then let's put it all together and, uh, and, and drive it to, so that you can make a tasty, a tasty dinner or even better, a tasty story that, that many people can get into and understand because right now, you know, there's so much media in the world that for you to, to get it, it, it really, you really need to do something that, that is going to connect with people. In terms of your creative process, David, how do you make the invisible visible by dreaming up ideas and developing them into concepts and then bring them to, to actualization? So I, I have this um, funny, I, I think it's funny. I, I say that I throw spaghettis at the wall and then I see what sticks, right? And then I am just, first it's like writing or drawing or walk like you know, like, like mixing colors. It sometimes it's just like, well, to begin with, I I, I go and walk around. I record the the goal, right, of what we're what I need to do or what I want to do, and then I put. I'm walking around and I am going back to that those lines that I recorded that are what the story needs, and then I am mixing it with the music that I like. Um. Or, or the music that I feel like that day is, is going to give me something. And I go for walks and I try to look around and I try to, to understand because, you know, everything is out there in the, in the world. We just need to like bring it into our, um, our, our the vehicle that you're going to use to tell the story. Right. Uh, so that's the first thing I go and I do. And then I, I'm just record like, Honestly, like having this, this, what we call phones now, these devices that you can record and you can take photos. It, it's such a, an amazing uh, tool because then I, I record some of those ideas and then I come back and I listen to them again. And then I start drawing or I start writing. Uh, and then I leave it for a day. After I think that I've done enough and I have thrown enough spaghettis, then I come back the next day and I read them and some of them I'm like, wow, that, that is nowhere near. And then there's a couple that get closer and then it it's, um, and then I call it like start to reduce the fat and start cutting those ideas that are not so good to then get to a point where you're like, Oh, this is, this is where it should go. And this is what should work for, for this story or for this concept. Right. Because I think that's the other part that, we need to understand now there are so many ways to tell stories there's the, the you know visual art now like and visual storytelling gives you i mean uh, the variety of, of of video and you can integrate like actual interaction right with it and now also like the virtual reality or adaptive reality and and sometimes you can can bring those things into into a project what do you find as being the most fulfilling aspect 
of your creative process? When it, when is it the most? What what part do you like to mesh most in, or does it just vary per per project? For me, it's been like a a, a per project thing, and um, I I you know of the projects that I've been happy to work in. Um, you know, I I I talked to a friend that uh that works at, at, at Microsoft Studios, and they were trying to put up um some content on top of the Microsoft uh, screens in Times Square in New York, and she was telling me about like they were doing something for all, all the projects that they had on, and I'm like, and and I'm like, but what is the the why, why do you want to, you know, like, I understand it's like you're advertising, you're advertising your brand, but, but why not step out a little outside the box and tell people that, that you love them. And this was a year into the, uh, the dark times of the Trump presidency. Um, so I felt, and, and it, you know, it was a time where, where, uh, people, uh, immigrants and, uh, Muslims, we were feeling, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a threat uh, and not feeling comfortable being in this country. Uh, so I told her, like, why don't we get a bunch of people and we use sign language to say I love you? Because you don't have audio in those screens. You're just, you know, big screen in the middle of Times Square. And uh, and it was an amazing project. They Somehow she was like, she was like, all right, I'm... Let's pitch it together, and then I, I wrote a little proposal of like the world needs more love, and uh, let's just say I love you, and uh, th- you know those two days of on set of of spending time with eighteen different people from all different ages and different uh, ethnicities. It was amazing because my my job as a director was to tell them like say I love you with your face right yeah uh, and then wow. sometimes challenging people to tell them like no nah, that's not an I love you that's an I like you that's not <laughs> what I need right yeah. <laughs> uh, and then being and then you know and then it was in Times Square and then getting to go to Times Square and getting out on that subway station and getting out and then seeing that. And then, you know, like watching people, it was, it was fun to go and like, you know, see people like walk and, and react to it. Like some people didn't notice it. And then uh, I was just standing there and somebody that actually like knew about uh, American Sign Language turned around and, and showed her mom because this was like a young adult. It was probably like 13 or 14 years old and said like, they are talking to me. Right, and I saw this interaction between the, the mother and the son, and uh, I, I, I'm getting a little emotional here because that 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 was great, man. That was yeah. uh, seeing somebody that that I mean, I never thought about like how the American Sign Language was gonna hit somebody that that yeah. used that language to communicate, and then the, the whole "I love you" became a little deeper, and that was. Uh, that was a fantastic moment and that that was really beautiful but like really being on set and um working with people that that was also a, a big rush that i love it's kind of a uh it's a little bit like getting on stage with a rock band like yeah. the day before you have 
butterflies in the stomach. I never sleep good the day before I shoot. Never, yeah. ever. <laughs> I'm always a little nervous and I'm always like, because, uh, you know, being on set, it's always has this, uh, there's always going to, ha- something's going to happen that things are not going to go exactly how you expect. Yeah. And that is the beauty of how you adapt, but it's always, you, you're thinking about all the, it's kind of like being a teenager again. You're thinking yeah. of all the what ifs as opposed to like, just going with it. Uh, yeah. But I guess it's just our, our brains telling us uh, <laughs> uh, to be prepared. <laughs> it, it, it is. But going back to your point there around the love campaign that you were involved in, and I think, look, without sounding ludicrous, that is the essence of life, love, right? That's what people truly crave, right? They do. It, there's different extremities of it. But when you feel loved, um, you're complete, right? And everything else, life becomes positive and um things that are positive gravitate towards you new towards that all of that so when you find that um it is a huge part of your self-actualization and i think the spirit in terms of how you went about achieving that is is, is, is really inspirational the other thing as well is the 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 energy that comes with words as well and the power of a word and how it can evoke an, an emotion and change how someone's feeling and i don't think there's a greater word than love to really do that. And if it's expressed in the right way, it up it's it uplifts people as society. You know, so total kudos to you for, for doing that. Oh, thanks, man. And I agree with you. You know, like I think that the I mean it and not to sound like a like an old timer, but like I mean I honestly think that one of the greatest lyrics in the history of, of humanities, all you need is love. All it is it is uh, it's, it's that simple. Yeah, it is very, you know, and that's and and I think that also we we need to understand that a lot as a society right now, because yeah. um, we have lost our our way a little bit uh, into loving each other and into putting that into what we do, you know. I I feel that sometimes uh, you see it in 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 society like people do things because they need to. As opposed, as opposed to wanting to. Yeah. And I think that uh, if you don't love what you do, you are doing the wrong thing. Yeah. I think that's another good part of being a creative. Like you need to love it because if you're just trying to get through the creative process, it's it gets really dark really fast and you're yes. not going to find the answers. <laughs> well, that, that's right. Because being a true creative, it's, it's that ability to be able to manifest what's within you but also the world around you and express that through whatever your domain might be, whether it's art, whether it's photography, whether it's writing, whether it's film, whether it's music. Um, And it's that ability to translate your imagination into art and be able to express that freely. You also mentioned the point around the tentative times that we live and the impact of how politics and political leadership has had upon society. And with reference to, to Donald Trump, for example, how has that impacted being like myself and you were, were immigrants, right? But yeah. he was especially polarizing towards Mexicans. How did that make you and your, your community kind of feel in a country that is built upon immigrants, that's built upon freedom and self-expression 
Oh man, it it's it was uh, it's been a really tough. The last five years have been challenging, um, to say the least. Um, so I I came to the United States to go to college, and uh, because I I mean I came to, I had finished high school and I had tried to be an architect and I dropped out after a year and then I didn't know what to do and I wanted you know I really wanted to be a rock star. Yeah, uh, but that was it didn't work. But I was like, I'm, I'll go to Seattle and I'll have a rock band over there. And long story short, I had lived here uh, on and off for twelve years, and then uh, and then the last fight, and and in those twelve years, I had had one racist interaction in uh, in in here in in in, in Seattle and the surrounding area and it was in Kirkland and it was when I was applying for a job and I basically stood up in the middle of the interview and I told them to fuck off and I got out and I was okay you know it was just okay so they're racist and I don't want to work with them but then it kind of just became accepted to do this thing and uh, a week no it was three weeks after that day in november so it was a little after uh thanksgiving um an old client had left uh their agency and they were working with a supermarket chain and they needed some commercials in spanish so my old client called me up and was like hey we have a production house that is going to do the commercial in english why don't you come over and do commercials in spanish yeah and then you know we'll split the money for you know you you you'll get a little less but you just have to pay for like the talent and and things like that sounds great so i went to have this chat in portland and uh and it was scary from the get-go because once i got i took the train because i wanted to like i didn't want it to drive and and lose three hours of my day so i was like i'll just take the train have a happy hour and then spend the night in Portland. And uh, when I got out of the train in Portland, I was a, a friend of mine called me uh, from Mexico and we were chatting in Spanish and I hung up and I went to get on a cab and two cops came over and asked me uh, where I was from. And uh, I don't carry my green card with me. Yeah. Uh, because it's just dangerous, right? Yeah. Like you lose your green card and then it's like a whole deal yeah. to deal with. So I told them I was from Seattle and they were like, but where are you from? But where, and it just, be, and like, and what do you have in your backpack? And we're going to check your backpack. And, you know, in my backpack, I had a change of clothes and my computer and a hard drive. And I was like, sure, go ahead, check it out. Uh, and they checked my backpack and they, couldn't have anything find anything illegal and they just kept digging at where I was from where I was from and I just kept saying Seattle and then they you know they try to speak faster and I could still understand English faster so it was fine and I got on the cab and the driver was an African-American woman and she told me like things are about to get even darker uh it's like I had never seen that. And that was when I got to Portland. And then I got to the business meeting to meet the production company. And after the pleasantries of introducing and meeting with each other, um, 
the guy in the production company asked me if I was an immigrant. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's why I can direct in Spanish and in English. And uh, she's like, and where are you from? And um, I was like, I'm from Mexico. And he just stood up and said, I only want to work with Americans and turned around and left the meeting just like that. As my former client was there looking at me, like changing his face into all kinds of colors and asking, like, I am so sorry. And I'm like, you didn't say anything, man. Like, you don't, you don't have to be sorry about anything. Um, but to make a long story short, that guy lost a job because he was a racist and he lost me a job because he was racist. And, uh, and after that, it, it, it was just like, it was permitted to say these things. It was permitted to, to be involved in, and, 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 you know, having an accent became a little bit of a, of a weird uh, moment. And uh, I, I'm going to share with you something that I haven't shared with a lot of people, but another time in, in this period, and this was um, a, like a little bit, I think after that, there were some um, Black Lives Matter happening. And I was in Portland again, because I had a client that was there. And I was, I think at that point, I was coming back from a vacation because I was with my wife. And uh, there was a Black Lives Matter march, but then there was a Blue Lives Matter march on the other side of town. And we were going out for a drink. And, you know, the, 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 of course, the, the, the environment of the city was very tense. Um, and I stepped out to smoke a cigarette because my, my wife was having a tough time and was crying. And I was like, all right, you need a little time. I'm going to walk out and I'm going to smoke a cigarette. And as I was smoking a cigarette, two guys came over and asked me where the Blue Lives Matter march was. And they seemed very aggressive and they were like talking really bad, you know, talking very despective about the Black Lives Matter march. And I, you know, I totally got the vibe that they were, uh, kind of racist (laughs) right away and uh and their energy was just weird man and they they started talking to me and asking and i was being as short uh in my answers which is going to come as a as a surprise as i talk so much um but then they were like where are you from where's your accent from and i think a little like survival uh thing came on me and i just said i'm from spain and they said, oh, that's in Europe, right? And I was like, of course it's in Europe. And then everything changed, right? It's like, well, it's great. You're not, you know, I, I don't remember what they said after that, but it was just that moment that it, it, it I just felt safer uh, lying about where I'm from and not that I ever feel that I'm anything less for being Mexican. But at that moment, it was just like, okay, let's just avoid that. And uh and I've made friends with some people that are from Mexico that work in restaurants and they work in the, in the kitchen and they, and the stories they have told me are also, I mean, you know, like I, I, I in a, in a weird way, I have that thing of not looking neither from here nor from there and, and being able to say that I'm Spaniard and they're like, okay. Uh, but the people that, that have very, defined the Mexican uh, 
physical treat, treats, yeah. right? Uh, what they have told me that they have been experiencing for the last five years, it's even more brutal. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been tough. And that, that really messes with your creative train of thought because all of these things, you know, it, it's, it's life. And at the same time, you're, there were moments that, 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 that you don't feel safe and you don't feel comfortable. And I, I you know, like I, I kind of wanted to like just drop everything and leave, but then yeah. you, you can have a business that you've been working on and, and a life and, and a wife and who doesn't speak Spanish to then go like, Hey, let's just move to Mexico right away. Yeah. Um, so so it, it was intense, but at the same time, you know, I, I, I it, it was the first time that I realized that I needed to get off of news and the media and that I needed to do something about things. So I stopped working so much in commercials and in for-profit content and figured out a way to work on social impact causes and how could I help uh, the world be a better place. Enough of that have come another couple of projects that have been good to like help uh, the homeless population in Seattle and, and bring some light to it. Um, and that one was an amazing project, and uh, and it was working with Pearl Jam too because they were throwing two concerts to get money to help the homeless population. Uh, so so th you know it, it, in a weird way and in a very long winded way uh, to answer that it it uh that moment of darkness uh, made me turn into and turning my creativity into helping others so that we, we could all hopefully feel safer and in a better world. Um, but but it, it was not that easy. You know, it, it, I drove through a, a, a dark tunnel there for a little while while finding that, that hope on making the world better. You know, that, that, that day in Portland where, where the guy said he just wanted to work with, with Americans and left the meeting, that day was just somewhere between... Uh, it was enraging, right? Like the other one was just two two cops that that had a you know when you have too much power, yeah, uh, you, you can't understand that, and it's like okay, so you're 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 throwing your power around, but but the other one was just like wow, yeah. you're you're really willing to lose what you do uh, for for you know for being a racist. <laughs> just. Haters looking for an excuse to hate. Yeah, and it's just funny that uh, that you know that we've been a society and a, a civilization, which in the true sense of the world means that we are civilized, yeah. and uh, and and then you see that that people can get triggered and enraged by by those very basic human emotions as as is hate. Because like we were talking about love, love is is where it's at, right? Love yeah. is is the emotion we should like shoot for. And uh, not really like shoot for might be a, a bad word when talking about love. We should aim for love. We should be uh, in, in a search for, for being loving and being in in love with with our surrounding but hate is the the opposite is the one is the destroy destruction is the dark side but it's really easy and if you give in to that one like it, it just goes 
quite fast. Rising above it and not fighting hate with, with, with hate. Thinking through what's fueling their kind of hatred. And it's sad that people want to use that as a scapegoat, right? And but the, but the reality is, these are typically people that are struggling themselves. To them, they just feel better by by channeling negative energy into people as a, as a scapegoat, as an excuse. And it's so wrong. Yeah, I think you totally you totally hit it in there, brother. I think that it's it's such a we as a society we we need to teach people like like to to stay away from that, right? But yeah. but it's a it, you know it's it I think it it would be into like teaching more critical thinking as opposed to to just going through the motions. Maybe yeah. that that could help us. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, mate, moving on. Um, yep. So from your colorful experience, what do you believe are the key skills to be a creative director? The, I think one is is uh, keeping your vision. Uh, yeah. That's uh, like staying with the vision, right? Because you might... All of a sudden, like 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 we were talking about, like some things come back and they look better, and then you might yeah. like, oh, this is what we need, and but then it doesn't work for the project. So I, I think it, it's a little bit of like being the captain on a boat and knowing where you need to go so that you can get to the to the next port. <laughs> um, so it, it, it's keeping your aim clear. Um, it's letting other people and and like being able to take feedback and being able to like to bring in what other people have to say and giving it a, a voice like letting it come out in the story too um i think those are the the, the main points right because if, if if you try to silence somebody and you don't listen to them you might miss out on some good ideas yeah and that's what's gonna make the story or the project better. So I think those those have to be like like being open and knowing where you need to go, uh, along with like of course like you know have been trying to be a creative mind and uh, and being able to, to keep a little bit of that uh, childlike spirit where you never get broken and that you always can keep throwing another idea uh, and come coming up with, with with what you think is a fun idea brilliant so david you're now on a time machine and it's going backward based on your lessons learned so far in life in terms of the pitfalls to avoid and the keys to success what would you share with a younger david oh man i've been thinking about this quite a bit lately (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i i it's funny that you ask me because i've been um I've been going for runs, which is uh, not something that I enjoy quite a bit. So I, I go and run behind the football. Uh, but but I've been thinking about what would be the things that you would like tell yourself if you could time travel. Um, I think the first one would be to like not do not take really don't take things personal, right? Like that is. Uh, Oh, I fought with that one at the beginning way too much. Um, I, 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 
you know, when I, I was editing commercials, it, it was brutal because you would have all of a sudden 20 people behind you. Uh, <laughs> or not, not 20, but we there were days that there were like three creatives and a copywriter and, and a director. And it was, you would have like eight people behind you watching a commercial and, uh, and, and, you know, take everything a little bit lighter. Um, that, that would have been another one. Um, and what would be the, uh, let, let me, let's see. One would definitely be to not take things personal and don't take everything so uh, to heart. Um, because as playful and as much as I'd like to joke now, there was a time that this, uh, I, I took everything so serious and uh, which since you get to know me now, uh, Roy, you might be like, how that, when were you serious? That, that, you know, doesn't uh, really, but there was like four or five years there that, that I just thought that this was it. And that you had to spend, uh, you know, I would spend all nights uh, sometimes editing commercials for fuck's sake. Like, I mean, nothing is that important to like lose sleep over selling a soda. Um, that was not a, a great, great idea. Um, and the other one would be to read a lot more. So don't take things serious. Uh, be, you know, enjoy the moment and enjoy the process. Uh, I think sometimes when we're young, we, we are trying to get to the end of the tunnel without enjoying the ride. Yeah. So enjoy the process a little more and read more and read more about everything there was also a time that i only read about filmmaking and you know maybe read more about uh, 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 a fiction book and it might give you know that's when when i started figuring out that ideas came from different places and yeah. that uh oh another good thing that i would tell myself is to learn how to steal with style you know, yeah, like, like yeah. No, you're not going to find the black thread. Black thread has already been invented, right? And uh, all you need is love has been already invented. So you're not going to come back with a better song than that. But maybe you can steal that chord structure and come up with something that, that is inspired off of that. Or So steal with style. Don't take things seriously. And, uh, and enjoy the, the process. By reading, it helps build better connections, like what you say, to exploring multiple domains that might not be initially perceived as being creative or within your inner sphere, but by exploring them, it actually broadly gives you even more disruptive ideas. And so there's, by building connections, there's understanding perspectives and to, to really broaden your capacity. I think that's kind of what you were kind of saying there. And then your point made me affectionately um, chuckle around um, stealing with style. And it reminded me a little bit on the, I think it was Oscar Wilde that allegedly had um, came up with the, the, the saying, talent borrows, genius steals, right? And that's so true. <laughs> yeah. And when you look at all of the greats, Salvador Dali, Picasso, um, Martin Scorsese, Stanley Kubrick, Steven Spielberg, I mean, you name it, right? They all, they all had... They were all self-styled. They all had their own aesthetic and identity, but they were smart enough to, to look at the past, stand on the shoulder of giants in terms of reference those, the greatness of the past, so that your 
paying your respect and that you truly are creating something new and not reinventing the wheel. Um, so it's that ability to stand on the shoulder of giants, use what you can, but to then use it in a way that you're innovating going forward and not stealing. Yeah, I think that that is, uh, you know, and when you're young, you're just like, you're trying so much to like, to again, like get to the other side of the yeah. tunnel and, and, and be known as this great editor. And you're trying to come up with things that, that doesn't work. Right? But like, if you go back and you understand how, you know, the, the, this, I, I think I heard it from Jim Jarmusch. Um, I don't remember how he said it, but, you know, like when I watched A Night on Earth, I think that was the first day that I knew that I wanted to tell stories for a living. Um, and then I kind of became this freak fan of uh, Jarmusch. And then one day I heard him say something along the lines where like inspiration comes from every place. You might look at a bridge and that bridge might give you an idea for a movie. You just need to be open. Yeah. To, to to let that bridge inspire you. As humans, innovation is around us every single minute of the day, but we don't see it. And it's having that ability to be able to see the unseen or to make connections between past, present, future, or through being able to connect between multidisciplines, between science and art, between chemistry and physics, between physics and, and humanities and and between Africa and Asia and so forth. It's, it's that innate ability to make those connections and to make the invisible visible, if you will. Yeah. And I think that, you know, like that, that is it. Like being able to like, I, I mean, you and I were talking not so long ago and we were talking about like this pandemic keeping us kind of in our places and how much sometimes you need a change of scenery just yeah. to kind of like refresh your neurological connection to come up with different ideas, right? Because if not, we're always kind of like stuck seeing the same things. I think that's one uh, of the other great adventures of uh, when you're young. And this, you know, like I was lucky to like, for some reason, my idea was to get out of Mexico. But I think that I, I would probably go back and tell myself, like, you know, go and like, travel the world more like if you can find the you know go to college in one country and then go do a master's in a different country in a different culture yeah. because uh i i mean i when i first got to seattle i would find you know they they would give us photography assignments and i would find things that i thought looked amazing anywhere yeah and now that's where i live and now Yesterday, when I was uh, I was watching The Long Way Up, and they are uh, Ewan McGregor and Charlie yeah. are driving through Mexico, and then I saw that, that you know that terrain that was so part of my life growing up, but now it's so foreign because now yeah. you know there's no cacti around here, yeah. and when I grew up, everywhere you went there was cacti and palm trees. And now there are no cacti or palm trees here. So it is insp everything is inspiring if you're open to it. So you're back in that time machine again, David, and it's going forward. What's your vision for the future of the creative arts? Ooh, that one is so exciting right now, man. So exciting because right now I feel that, that this pause that is happening, that is 
you know, it, I, I feel that it's like a, it's a little bit of a bottleneck. Like all these movies that are not coming out or being released to theaters and all of this music that is or these artists that are not going on tour uh, and we're not able to listen to their music and get inspired. When it comes back, it's just going to be like a tsunami of those things, right? So it's, it, that is one part. But then it's like, how are we going to harness it to tell, like, to, to bring that inspiration to life? And how can we harness the power of, of these devices, again, that, that we have in our pockets or in our purses or, or wherever you carry your, your smartphone? Um, now, you know, they are people watch movies in a smartphone or in a, an iPad or in their computer. So it is really exciting to see how, how everything is kind of like crossing over, right? Like, like the adaptive reality, the virtual reality. Uh, and at the same time, I also think that, that the connectivity of humans needs to be uh, reassessed we need to, to figure out how to be more connected as humans and do content that brings that out of us. Uh, but it is, it, it's an exciting time. This, this little break that we've had, which is making us think and rethink things, as, as funny as that last phrase sounds, since it has so many thinks and things, uh, it, it is going to come back to we need to come back ready to create something that, that connects us more and gives us the chance to be more empathetic towards each other because, you know, th this moment in time is also showing big, big valleys of inequality that we clearly need to figure out how to be better about that. You have been listening to the Unknown Origins podcast. Please follow, subscribe, rate, and review us. For more information, go to unknownorigins.com. Thank you for listening.